Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big uh, hump day, uh, Wednesday, uh, April, the f- April, August the 3rd in the year 2022. Uh, a lot of news this morning. I mean, folks, uh, what can I say? The passing of a sports icon again this week uh, for the second time. Saints news, a lot going on with the Saints right now this morning. Uh, The Dolphins get hammered uh, with tampering. Major League trades, NCAA football, uh, the NFL projected uh, win-loss columns. uh, Just a lot going on, Jeff, right now uh, in sporting world. Of course, uh, the big story this morning is the passing of Vince Scully. Uh, the longtime Dodger baseball announcer and also did PGA events, uh, college football. He, boy, just about a little bit of everything, too, Jeff. Yeah, and especially uh, in those days, uh, announcers were asked to do uh, a lot of different things. But Vin Scully, um, you know, 50 plus years with the Dodger organization. Uh, about 67 there years. There you go. Uh, I was going to say, uh, both in Brooklyn and Los Angeles. Um, rise to national attention probably when he got the gig at NBC, the Saturday game of the week uh, back in the day, and World Series games, things like that, uh, but always a uh, legend. And uh, the idea that he worked alone most of that time. That's right. That you know? is correct. He did work alone. Uh, great storytelling, Even too. into the his 90s. Yeah, tr- Great story. I mean, he'd be broadcasting a baseball game, runners on first and second. We have a 6-3 score. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, he'd yeah. go into a story, uh, uh, announcing a little story or pastime with him. And uh, he'd, uh, oh, we're swinging a miss. Uh, the count's 0-2 now. Uh, yeah. Just phenomenal how he could just uh, relate to baseball. But, uh he, I mean, he was part of the Dodger family. Uh, born in uh, born in the Bronx in 1927, late uh, November of 27, and uh, attended Fordham University in New York. He graduated from Fordham and uh, did the Fordham uh, football games uh, through the years uh, in his four years up at Fordham. And then uh, Red Barber got a little inkling of him, uh, and he brought him up in the booth around 1950 or so. And uh, when Red Barber decided to leave the Dodgers after about 14 or 15 years, he went broadcast the Yankee games with Mel Allen. And uh, lo and behold. How about that? Yeah, that's right. And then lo and behold, uh, uh, Walter O'Malley just said, well, he's 25-year-old. Let him take over. He's got the job. So in 1953, Vince Gully started broadcasting the Dodger games and uh, – he became uh, the man, so to speak. And when the Dodgers decided to move to Los Angeles in 58, uh, Walter O'Malley brought him with him, and he became a stable in the Dodger organization. And I was listening. He, I want to say he announced 20 no-hitters or somewhere in there, uh, three perfect games. Of course, he did uh, Sandy Koufax with the Dodgers along with uh, Don Lawson's perfect game against Brooklyn in the World Series. It was another one. Can't think if I got to think a little bit harder. I can maybe think what the third game he did uh, and all. But looking back, you know, he was born, like I said, in 27. He grew up a Giants fan, played stickball in the streets, attending the polo grounds, and uh, served in the Navy for a little while, attended Fordham where he played center field on the baseball team and flourished as a sports broadcaster in the school's radio station. And after graduating in 49, worked as a fill-in at the CBS affiliate up in Washington, D.C., where he did sports, news, and weather and caught the ear of the Dodgers broadcaster, as I mentioned, Red Barber. In 53, the 25-year-old Scully became the youngest person to call the World Series. Five years later, as he moved west with the Dodgers and uh, – as I said, the perfect games he called in uh, Larson's and Koufax uh, come to mind. Can't, like I said, can't think of the third one. I'm sure there was one in there that uh, uh, that he did. But anyway, you know, how about that iconic call with Hank Aaron when he hit his 715th yep. home run? You know, uh, and the the one that comes to my mind is poor Bill Buckner. I think they've kissed and made up up in Boston after they finally won the series in '04. But a little roller up the first, <laughs> behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win. <laughs> Just like that, <laughs> as he was doing the World Series in 86. And then Gibson's iconic. Two years later, yeah. That's right. I, I was thinking about that because, one, he was the Dodgers uh, uh, right. radio announcer. That's and then right. he's doing the World Series for NBC and the Dodgers. 
But he, he would still play at uh, level. He yeah, would not, yeah, he, he would be. He was never a homer. No. And someone asked him, well, "How could you keep so, uh, you know, just level uh, when the Dodgers ended up beating the Yankees in the '55 World Series?" And he said, "I'm just calling the game." He said, uh, "He said I had to finish saying what I was saying because I broke down in tears as I got off the air, you know, uh, as a, as a Dodger announcer." So. Uh, in the last, uh, you know, the, you know, Scully would always open his broadcast with the same familiar greeting, uh, basically uh, just a short phrase and uh, hi everybody, uh, and a fair, a very pleasant good evening uh, to you wherever you may be. You know, it's how he opened up all the Dodger games. Good afternoon, good evening, uh, Vince Scully, uh, just a. Uh, you know, remarkable announcer. Listened to him a few times. I can even recall he was doing the uh, playoff game in '85 uh, against the Dodgers and the Cardinals uh, in uh, Bush Stadium, and he he forgot his tie or something uh, back home when he packed or bagged or maybe he damaged his tie. I'm not sure what, but he went into a local uh, clothing store to get another tie. And uh, talking to the young ladies in the store, he mentioned that you know. Uh, and they, they didn't really recognize who he was. And they were wearing blue. And, you know, they were big Cardinal fans he made. And he said, well, why are y'all wearing blue? I mean, y'all should be wearing red, not blue here in St. Louis with the Dodgers in town. And they were quite embarrassed with uh, their outfits. So uh, Vince Scully, just stories to tell. Uh, what more can we say about a great announcer in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Uh, has even a star on the Hollywood uh, Walk oh, of Fame, sure. you know, uh, with a microphone. I think they were he along with Jack Buck and other announcers. They retired a microphone. They put a microphone on the wall instead of a number. Yeah, you know, if it's uh, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, if they are in movies, they had that uh, old timey uh, film camera, and if it was uh, television, a little old box TV uh, with the antennas, uh, the rabbit ears. Uh, but yeah. A microphone, indeed, uh, for Vin Scully. Bob Costas, uh, one of the guys I uh, enjoy as much as anybody else nationally. Uh, he said, I regard him, all things considered, as the master of radio and TV. I regard him as the best baseball announcer ever. You know, I, I'm not sure I would say that personally about him, other than his perseverance and his longevity. But I still like a, a guy like Harry Carey. Yeah, uh, you know, a little yeah. bit more exuberant, uh, a little more colorful, but but again, you can't take anything away from Scully. Uh, I never thought Harry Carey ever uh, took a, a, ph- a phonics uh, uh, <laughs> study. <laughs> With some of those, uh, the uh, some of the uh, harder names to pronounce, he always kind of <laughs> yeah. went through them and uh, his trademark wide rim glasses and all, and tried to <laughs> pronounce players' names backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget Harry, and we're getting off track talking yeah, about Harry. Yeah, as a coach was hard to believe it's 24 years since Harry Carey passed away. That's right. That's and, right. I mean, his um, did he outlive uh, his son? Oh, uh, oh Skip. Son, Skip ooh, died Skip, either Skip soon Jr., after. Huh? I want to say, yeah. Uh, Chip is still alive. But, yeah, he uh, is. Of course. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, Harry, uh, I'll never forget this. Cubs always wore the white pinstripes at home. One day at home, they wore these jerseys with Cubs and script across the chest. It's like, what, what is that? Cuba? Is that Cuba on their jerseys? It was too fun. No, Harry oh, was the best. Harry, yeah. But going back to Vince Scully, uh, just a phenomenal. Uh, you know, it wasn't his voice. It was just his demeanor up in the booth. Uh, storytelling during the course of a game, uh, especially the Dodgers. And, you know, something that came about, and I'm thinking about, too, that, you know, people would listen to, uh, to Vince Scully, you know, in and around the Los Angeles area where the broadcast area was. But I think he brought about the reasoning you could see people in the stands with radios, transistors, listening to Scully while they're at the game. And uh, that became a phenomenon with earphones and everything else where people would bring to the games to listen to the hometown announcer up in the booth uh, and watch the game. And uh, Vince Scully, I think, had a lot to do with people bringing transistor radios uh, to the ballpark to not only listen to his voice, but they expanded over a period of time. And many people enjoyed listening to games on the uh, air uh, through transistors. And then the earphones came 
came about and everything else. And uh, what more can you say, Jeff? But, uh, I mean, Vince Scully uh, will be missed. Of course, he had been retired, I think, for now a good three or four years, maybe five years. Yeah, he, he did narrate, uh, even though he wasn't broadcasting that year when the Dodgers won the World Series a couple of years ago, narrated the uh, highlight reel of that World Series uh, and that may be the last thing he did um, of note uh, as far as broadcasting is concerned. Uh, another great uh, uh, backing, and I realize I'd be in the Cardinal fan, but uh, when Jack Clark came to the plate <laughs> and Tommy Lasorda had to make up his mind if he was going to take out Needin Fuhr, a pitch to uh, Clark, or walk Clark, who was, first base was open. And on the first pitch from Needin Fuhr, uh, Clark hits a bomb out to left field, and you can see Pedro Guerrero throw his glove up in the air in disgust. And you can see uh, Lasorda on the bench, and uh, and Vince Scully's going, well, do I walk him or throw to that blankety-blank-blank Jeff Clark? <laughs> it's what Vince Scully's exact words were. And, uh, of course, uh, Clark went on to hit the uh, – three-run home and to give the Cardinals the National League pennant in 85. So, uh, but just amazing. Vince Scully, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, amazing that the, the two Dodger announcers of four years are both redheads and Red Barber mm. and Vince Scully until Barber. Of course, Barber was from Florida, uh, born in Alabama, moved to Florida, attended the University of Florida and got a job up in New York. Uh, uh, Vince Scully attended Fordham, born in the Bronx, was a big Giants fan growing up, uh, so he had to take a tough one, I guess, in 51 when Bobby Thompson hit the, hit the home run to give the Giants the pennant. Uh, kind of mixed emotions for him since he'd only been a Dodger announcer for about a year or so. Uh, but uh, Vince Scully, uh, just I'm sure through the sports channels today, whether it be Major League Baseball or ESPN 1 and 2, uh, you're going to see Vince Scully all over the board today. You know, Hank Aaron's uh, 715th home run, it was on a Monday night. It was nationally broadcast. Was he on the radio broadcast or the national broadcast there? Uh, Milo Hamilton did the radio. He was with the Braves. That's right. He he was the one that uh, that when you see the home run generally hit, that uh, Milo Hamilton is the announcer. I think Vince Scully was doing it on the – on the broadcast, television broadcast. And one thing he did do, which you credit to announcers, is after the home run was hit and he made his initial call, he went quiet. Great next... story. Let the crowd uh, That's do right. It. That's right. So Apparently uh, got a sip of coffee. Yep, and I can remember uh, Hank Aaron's mother just about choking him to death <laughs> as she came from the stands to greet him at home plate. And, you know, they re- reenacted that a few years back, and the two college students that ran out <laughs> on the field with him to congratulate Hank Aaron, he's going to go, where you guys come from? One of them had been, one of them uh, died through, due to the period, but the other guy was still alive and ran around the bases with Hank Aaron, I guess starting from second base to reenact the uh, 715th home run that Hank Aaron hit to break uh, Babe Ruth's record. I can't remember when Bonds broke his uh, record course uh, that's another story with Barry Bonds breaking Hank Aaron's uh, 755. But uh, and where, where did Bonds end up with 763, I believe? And that number is not etched in stone like the 714 was, if you know what I mean. So anyway, Vince Scully uh, taken from us at 94 years young. And I didn't realize he'd had a son that was tragically killed back in the day in a helicopter crash. He was working for someone. And was killed in a crash, his 33-year-old son. And his uh, first wife uh, died. He remarried and had uh, inherited some stepchildren and had a son. But his second wife last year, in 2021, died of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Just amazing. You know, uh, a devout Catholic, too, uh, uh, Vince Scully was. And uh, grew up um, in uh, the Bronx and uh, attended Fordham. And I'm not sure if Fordham, I know it's a private school, but not sure if it's a Christian school or a Catholic school, but it is a private school. And uh, what more can you say about Vince Scully? Just a tremendous announcer. And he'd been out of the uh, Dodger organization uh, as the announcer for the past, oh, I guess four or five, maybe even six years. And I can't tell you, Jeff, who the, the uh, Dodger announcer is to this day. 
I know Rick Monday does some color commentary. Guy who used to be with ESPN for uh, a long time did some baseball broadcasting, but also Sports Center anchoring. Yeah, kind of a big husky guy. Yeah, yeah ball headed fella. No, no, you're thinking of uh, he's with the Giants. Giants that's right. That's right. Uh, he's with the Giants. But I'm trying to see here. Maybe I pulled up an article. Uh, uh, oh, this is someone from the L.A. Times, uh, Davis. Uh, uh, Joe Davis. Rep- oh, Joe Davis, who replaced Vince Scully in 2017, reported the news to the viewers in the bottom of the fifth inning at the uh, Oracle Park, oh, wow. where it the was, Dodgers were playing it the occurred Giants. That early, yeah. That would have been a fifth inning of a nine o'clock start, uh, probably about 10:30 our time. Yeah, I saw it on I Twitter last night. Been. It was a little after 10 o'clock when I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, I got up about three, four. And, hey, I get up now at five here, but uh, I got up at about three and noticed on my phone an app alert about his passing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, just a tremendous announcer. Uh, just a, like I said, I still loved. Uh, Weren't we talking about Mel Ott yesterday? Yes. That's he, right. That was uh, his uh, boyhood idol. Yeah, well, the, Mel Ott, being from Gretna, Louisiana, and uh, passed away at a young age, too, at 49, Mel Ott did. I think Mel Ott passed away in the early 50s. And uh, Vince Scully uh, was his – well, I said that Scully was a Giants fan and uh, would tend the polo grounds. Fun, funny story here. Uh, you remember the 97 World Series. Then the Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins, uh, Cleveland Indians. Scully reflected on a bit of baseball history and on his personal story as well. Marlins uh, had a seven-run ninth inning in Game 3. Had led him to recall that the Yankees trounced the New York Giants 18-4 in Game 2 of the 36 World Series. Made him feel so sorry for the victims, the Giants, that he became a Giants fan that day. Oh, and wow. again, uh, his boyhood hero, Mel Ott. Yep, Mel Ott from Gretna, Louisiana, who stood a whole 5'9", 170 pounds, was uh, the first National Leaguer to hit over 500 home runs in his career, uh, followed up by uh, Ruth. And I'm trying to recall, uh, Ted Williams, I think, hit, the, hit 500 home runs uh, uh, in the uh, National League. Uh, it seemed like someone else uh, in that tenure hit uh, 500 home runs, but I know Mellot was the first National Leaguer to reach that. Uh, yeah, Vince Scully retired in 2016 at the age of 88, and uh, he also, there was a select games on the road in his later years. He did mostly the Dodger home games, but uh, never, um, I don't think he did many uh, road games uh, during that season uh, the last couple no, of years. No, he had uh, begged off those. Yeah, and uh, he basically, uh, in his broadcasting career, so uh, uh, with that, uh, did the Fordham Rams, uh, the games, uh, and played center field on the baseball team, uh, wore number 17 and called the radio broadcast for baseball, football, and basketball, earned the degree, sent about 150 letters to stations along the eastern seaboard, received only one response, and that was from a CBS radio affiliate, WTOP, WTOP in Washington, D.C., which hired him as a fill-in. Red Barber, the sports director of CBS Radio Network, recruited Sully for college football coverage. Sully impressed his boss with his coverage of November of 49, the University of Maryland, Boston University football game, and with frigid temperatures from Fenway Park, despite having to do so from the stadium roof, <laughs> expecting an enclosed press box, Scully had his left his coat and gloves at the hotel and never mentioned his discomfort on the air. Wow. Anyway, uh, Barbara mentioned well, Scully. His foolishness for not wearing a coat in the <laughs> first place. If it's that right. cold outside, even going from the cab to the press box. Oh, uh, you're right. He wanted to, uh, anyway, he, and as we mentioned, he was never a homer. Uh, opening slowly and rooting his interest in the team that employs you. Never listen to the other announcers and keep your opinions to yourself. So, uh, Dodger announcer from 1950 to 2016, of course, in Brooklyn for eight years from 50 to 57. And, uh, wow, just, uh, just you know, he was with, our, he replaced all people, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Ernie Harwell. Yeah. Uh, who uh, I, I didn't realize that Ernie Harwell uh, was up there in the booth uh, with the others. Of course, Ernie Harwell ended up uh, doing the Tiger Games. Or, Detroit, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. You know, up in uh, that era, another longtime broadcaster, but. Uh, Vince Scully uh, became the principal announcer in 55, I think, 54, 55. And uh, 
He announced Dodger games in Brooklyn until 57, which the club moved to Los Angeles and were heard over at WMGN Radio 1050 on the AM dial, as well as WOR-TV Channel 9, both in New York and going out to Los Angeles. You know, that's... It, and as I mentioned, it became common for the people to bring in transistor radios to listen to him. Well, so, and it was kind of new technology then. Uh, true, too. true. And uh, but the little, you always wanted those stronger transistor radios to pick up some of the foreign uh, stations or stations out in the place. And you know, I didn't realize this. Back in '64, uh, the New York Yankees offered Scully a job to replace. Uh, they fired Mel Allen as their lead play-by-play man, and Scully declined the offer. And chose to remain with the Dodgers. And by 76, his popularity in Los Angeles had become such that the Dodger fans voted him the most memorable personality in the history of the franchise. So, uh, uh, Vince Scully, what what more can you say, Jeff? Uh, an icon in the sports broadcasting. And uh, here we are uh, as uh, trying to do Bayou Sports here. And i uh, got a long way to go to catch Vince Scully, though. I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, uh Let's go ahead and take our first break. Boy, they got a lot of news this morning with the Saints and Major League Trades and NCAA football and the NFL's projected uh, one-loss uh, wins and losses for uh, the NFL 30, uh, 32 NFL teams. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Jackie Robinson sprint from third base to home plate took mere seconds. And yet it exemplified his life, passion, combined with purpose. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board-certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy-guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880, or go to answertopain.com. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris where opportunities are created, not waited on. That's the Danos difference. I've been here for 23 years. The opportunity for advancement within Danos was pretty evident early on in my career. They give you a lot of tools and training in order to learn the oil field industry. It has been an excellent ride for me. Join the team that does it different at danos.com. That's D-A-N-O-S.com. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Sliman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, some good news coming out of camp in New Orleans as uh, Tyre Matthew has uh, rejoined the Saints. Anyway, sources say that uh, Matthew has joined the Saints and is expected to be back at practice perhaps as early as today, and that's coming from multiple sources. Matthew was excused by the team to deal with some personal matters and to miss the first six practices of training camp. Of course, the former LSU and St. Augustine High School standout signed a three-year deal with the Saints for $28.3 million. 
with the Saints in May is expected to be the starting safety alongside Marcus May, who they picked up from the Jets. Saints head coach Dennis Allen said Monday there was no timetable for Matthew's return, but sources said Matthew returned to New Orleans on Tuesday night. That means he was out of town, and we're kind of allowing him the space to handle what he needs to handle, but we'll be sitting here with open arms when he's ready to come back, Allen said. Uh, The Saints are scheduled to practice at 9 a.m. today. And uh, the team's indoor practice facility, the workout's closed to the public, of course. Matthew's return is good news for the Saints, who otherwise have enjoyed 100% participation in the camp so far. The former LSU All-American-led Kansas City Chiefs last year with three interceptions, three fumble recoveries, and ranked second in the team in tackles with 76. Of course, he's earned uh, back-to-back Pro Bowl invitations the past two seasons and uh, the consecutive first-team All-Pro recognition in 19 and 20. Matthew, 29, is entering his 10th season. Hard to believe. Yeah, I know. Playing for the Cardinals for uh, 13 to 17, the Texans uh, one year in 18, and then the Chiefs from 19 to 21. Drafted by the Cardinals in 2013 as a third-round pick, he cracked their starting lineup midway through the year and was in contention for the uh, Rookie of the Year award after logging nine pass breakups, six tackles for losses, for a total of 68 tackles in his campaign. So, uh uh, more to come. We'll see if he shows up in a, a little over an hour for practice and uh, with the Saints. So, Jeff, uh, interesting observation. And also, speaking of the Saints, uh, boy, in Miami, they get popped again with tampering. Of course, uh, they've got a lot going on with the firing of their coach as Flores. And, and it's all related to that. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's with, where the investigation began, Flores' allegations. Yeah, that's right. But uh, Sean Payton, uh, along with Tom Brady, uh, in the news today as uh, uh, the commissioner or the NFL office has come down hard on Tampa Bay with uh, draft picks. Dolphins. And, uh, Dolphins, excuse me. Uh, the Dolphins uh, come down with, uh, I want to say, a big fine and also the loss of draft choices. Yeah, first round. Uh, <laughs> this is too funny. I uh, have got to get to this a uh, little bit later, but Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel laments missing Yeezy Day. Uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that, but trying to uh, find the uh, story I uh, tagged yesterday, or at least I had uh, read about it yesterday, so it's not right in front of me. But, yeah, the owner, uh, he's going to be suspended now through about week six of the NFL season, which I think is interesting because that's Deshaun Watson's that's right. uh, suspension time or expected suspension time. Officially, uh, the NFL has not ruled that it will be a six-game suspension or if they'll appeal it and try and make it uh, a longer suspension. I think they'll leave it at six. But just, and and yesterday, I had the story yesterday morning, uh, ESPN's uh, takeaways from the ruling by former federal judge Sue Robinson in determining her six games, uh, a few takeaways, and we talked about one of them yesterday, the idea that really her decision was based on four of the cases, four of the women. But she also called out the NFL for not holding owners to the same example as players. And so 24 hours later, Goodell does this, throws that hammer at the Miami Dolphins and possibly well-deserved, don't get me wrong, does sound like the Dolphins tampered with both uh, Coach uh, Sean Payton as well as quarterback Tom Brady. Yeah, and it's just amazing how uh, uh, the Dolphins, I mean, uh, the owner of the Dolphins, his name escapes me right now, but, you know. they Ross or Moss? Yeah, I think it might be Ross. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's in hot water. I mean, not a, he's got uh, a lot to defend against, and I'm sure the the news media down in that part of the world uh, having a field day with the stories coming out of the Dolphins camp uh, in that regard. And I understand that uh, I want to say the Dolphins and and uh, or maybe no, it's uh, the Tampa Bay. It's Tampa Bay and the uh, Patriots are going to have some uh, practices against each other in the next few days. But uh, the Dolphins. Uh, uh, this guy's is strictly in hot water every time you turn around. He's doing something to uh, get the NFL office all up in arms. So uh, 
he uh, he's got a long way to go in that regard. So uh, to clean up that and hurting his team left and right too. Yeah, with draft choices. Anyway, also out of New Orleans too. A lot to talk about the Saints too here in the second segment here on Kane Radio. The Saints wide receiver Quan Baker, uh, if he was going to make the initial initial fifty three man roster, or have to wait for a while. He's been suspended six games. <laughs> uh, by the NFL Tuesday for violating the uh, performance-enhancing substances. It's not clear what Baker's plans uh, to do with an appeal. Uh, he can participate in all the preseason practices and games will, will be allowed to return to the Saints' active roster. Of course, if he makes the team in week six against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, Bain, uh, Bain, uh, the Saints selected Baker in the seventh round of the 2021 draft. The South Alabama product has appeared in two games as a rookie, both strictly in the special teams role. Uh, Baker spent most of his NFL career on the Saints practice squad and is facing an uphill climb, you know, to secure that spot after the Saints. As uh, we all know, revamped their uh, wide receiver core, bringing in Jarvis Landry. Michael Thomas will be healthy and also drafting Chris Olave, who who is saying he's impressing in the Saints camp right now for the Saints. So, uh Mr. Baker, uh, you got your work cut out for you, and then uh, who knows? No, no doubt about that. Yeah. Anyway, also, Saints rookie uh, Smoke Monday uh, suffered a significant knee injury, and that was Monday. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was a shame because he was really impressing yes. at camp. He was, and it's not clear what happened uh, with him on Monday, who was present for the Saints training camp practice uh, at the Oshna Sports Performance Center in indoor facility the injury didn't occur in the view of the reporters present to witness a practice monday came to the saints with relatively high expectations as an undrafted uh, rookie was a two-year starter at auburn where he recorded uh, six sacks five interceptions in his four-year career and after he went undrafted the saints committed to pretty high uh money for him they uh, guaranteed money one hundred twenty thousand dollars for a nine a non-drafted player jeff is uh, pretty substantial in this day and time so we'll see what uh, what uh, take place with that the Auburn grad uh, uh, trying to make the Saints squad, but uh, with the injury like now, it looks like it'll be a little time before he uh, is available to play for the Saints. Any other news there? Uh, you may have uh, headlines for us in that regard. Uh, if you can think of any other stories coming out of camp right now, they say Paulson uh, Paulson Adibo is looking uh, uh, looking really good too, heading into his second year. Um, other highs and lows from the first week of training camp. Uh, they're talking about uh, also the the team. Uh, you know, pin, uh, pinning. Uh, uh, I got to remember, pinning. Yes, is gotten into another fight. <laughs> Taking on his name has come up a few times in camp. Uh, so, and, and while I appreciate his exuberance, at some point you got to remember. You know, save it for the other team. This is true. Uh, I did see that somewhere where he he got into more discussions <laughs> with some other defensive players, and uh, he's uh, he's he's uh, he's trying to earn a place in our trying to earn a starting spot as uh, Hurst, who has been designated as the Saints' left tackle, but uh, being a number one drive draft pick, even though he was the second pick in the first round by the Saints. Uh, uh, he's fighting for a spot and wants to get on that field, so more power to him in that regard. Apparently the Saints uh, did add a little tep- depth depth to uh, the tight end position. Signed Chris Herndon, uh, according yes. to a league source. Yeah, had a great rookie year. Uh, uh, I'm trying to recall who he was with uh, reportedly back in the day, but uh, kind of fell off, got hurt a little bit, and then just hardly did anything. And uh I think he's played for a couple teams. I think he played with Houston maybe last year or the year before. He was a fourth-round pick by the Jets in 2018, prepped, and I say prepped, uh, his college uh, ball at Miami, and had some substance abuse issues. Uh, Maybe that's uh, what it was in lieu of an injury. The the Vikings uh, sent a 2022 fourth-rounder to the Jets for Herndon and a sixth-round pick before the start of Last season failed to catch on, though, in Minnesota. And I'm not sure if he did uh, end up uh, playing last year. Yeah, basically, you know, his first year in the league with the Jets, he caught 39 balls for 502 yards, four touchdowns. But he struggled to replicate that in the the last couple years. Second season was derailed by multiple factors, 
as you mentioned, suspended for four games uh, for violating the substance abuse policy. Then caught only one uh, pass before a hamstring and rib injuries ended his season. The Vikings sent, as you mentioned, those picks uh, and heard it and failed to catch on in Minnesota, tallying four receptions for 40 yards and 16 so, games. So he did play in Minnesota. The, the term catch on yeah, he, he just didn't perform well. And, you know, he's got a connection with the Saints. He was a high school teammate with Alvin Kamara. Mm. In Norcross High School over, I'm pretty sure that's over in Georgia. No, Lynn Kamara, a bit of a look-past player, too. Yeah, uh, so a lot going on here in uh, the uh, NFL. Of course, good news, uh, Matthew might be back with the Saints sometime today. Uh, hopefully, uh, that's not just uh, sources, but uh, come, becomes factual. And uh, see him jo- rejoin the Saints for practice today. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to have to. Uh, la- yesterday, I think they went indoors in the practice facility. Uh, of course, rain being prevalent, I think, throughout the remainder of the week, too, uh, in the forecast right now, Jeff. So uh, if all you people want to cut your grass, <laughs> uh, it doesn't look good uh, with the rain uh, drops we'll be receiving it over the next few days. Uh, in the meantime, I, I pulled up something uh, with regard to the NFL about the uh, projected wins and losses this year coming out of uh, Las Vegas. And uh, uh, the Saints are projected to uh, be 9-8. and eight. Uh, Tampa Bay thirteen and four, Carolina seven and ten, Tampa Bay two and fifteen. Uh, so not Tampa Bay, excuse me, but the Atlanta Falcons two and fifteen. Elsewhere in the NFC West, of course, the Rams twelve and five, ten and seven for the Forty Niners, seven and ten for uh, for I want to say the Cardinals and uh, five and twelve for Seattle. Elsewhere on the NFL East, they've got the Eagles winning uh, winning at uh, eleven. Eleven and six, Cowboys ten and seven, Washington seven and ten, the really? Giants they, five and twelve. The Cowboys only ten wins. Though. That's right. Yeah, kind of surprising. Dak Prescott thinks, oh, this is the year. Well, you know what? They had another. I guess you got to say that. But. Didn't they have another receiver go down too? I want to say they're kind of limited uh, with their receivers. Of course, Lamb being their go-to guy right now is Cooper. Now is gone. I'm trying to remember who he's going to play with this fall. Uh, he's no longer with the Cowboys. Uh, in Washington, having their problems too. Elsewhere in the NFC North, uh, they've got the Lions winning eight games. Of course, they have the Eagles at eleven and six, the Lions at eight and nine, the Vikings eight and nine, and the Bears, the lowly Bears now, Jeff four and thirteen. Oh come on, that's what they have. They, they, come on, that's, I'm just letting you know. Fields needs to make some magic happen. Over in the AFC East, uh, they've got, uh, of course, um, at fifteen and two, the Bills, uh, Patriots ten and seven. Uh, the uh, Dolphins at nine and eight, the Jets five and twelve. Over in the AFC North, um, in that regard, so uh, the North they've got uh, at twelve and uh, I want to say twelve and three. Uh, the Bengals at twelve and five. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to read my handwriting. Of course, uh, the Browns are six and eleven. The Steelers nine and eight, and the Ravens twelve and uh, twelve and five. So the Ravens and the the uh, Bengals both twelve and five. Elsewhere in the South. Uh, it's the Colts nine and eight. Uh, the they've got the uh, I want to say uh, Tennessee at eight and nine. Jacksonville at six and eleven. While uh, coming in at three and fourteen is uh, the Texans. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC West, they have the Chargers at eleven and six, uh, along with uh, the Chiefs. Uh, the elsewhere it's the Raiders at nine and eight, and uh, last but not least the Broncos at eight and nine. So uh, those are the prognostications, and we'll see how accurate they are. Maybe I need to hold on to these for a little bit and uh, see what falls through the cracks, because uh, you know every year they have a, two or three teams that jump into uh, projections and do a lot better than what they thought of. Yeah, the, the Bears Lions thing really bothers me because the Bears are going to beat Detroit twice this year. <laughs> well, I'm just like you, you know. know. Come on. Maybe it was the guy that wrote the articles from Detroit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> anyway, uh, we need to take a break here and uh, acknowledge our uh, sponsors here on uh, Kane Radio and Bayou Sports, FM 107.5 AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. 
We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Louisiana. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day Wednesday, August the 3rd. Uh, baseball news, some trades yesterday. Of course, the big name uh, going out uh, was uh, Juan Soto, who moved from the Washington Nationals over to the San Diego Padres. And no matter what happens in, uh, in baseball, uh, it's just highly doubtful anything could match the move yesterday. Uh, Tuesday morning when the Washington Nationals traded DeJuan Soto to the Padres for pitcher Mackenzie Gore, outfielder Robert Hassel, and shortstop E.J. Abrams and others. And this came one day after they traded for one of the top closers in the game, Josh Hader, uh, with the Brewers. So in the process, the Padres' odds to win the National League pennant in the World Series, uh, they dropped uh, drastically. In other words, uh, we talked about that on uh, Bayou Sports uh, the other day, and if you didn't take uh, uh, advice from certain people, uh, anyway, here's a look at the change in uh, the sports book odds. Uh, before that, of course, uh, still at the top of the ladder. Before the trade, it went from a plus one thousand to a, after the trade plus four seventy five World Series twenty two hundred plus and a thousand plus after the trade. So uh, with that. Uh, Nationals get probably one of the up-and-coming uh, youngsters. Uh, he's 23 years old, won the home run hitting contest this past year. and uh, But uh, right now, Jeff, uh, of course, the uh, second half of the year, he's only hitting a lowly 250. He's got 21 dingers, I think around 60-plus RBIs. So, uh, he's uh, of course, he'll be surrounded with some pretty good players right now as the, um, the Padres of uh, – Trying to catch the Dodgers uh, in that regard. Uh, they stand behind the Dodgers. I th- I'm trying to remember how many games they're behind the Dodgers. Uh, uh, Eleven and a half. Wow. But still uh, very much in the wild card race. Yeah, they are They are hit in the wild card race. So uh, we'll see how that's all going to play out. Three wild card teams taken. Of course, right now the Mets uh, lead the East over the Braves by two and a half. Philadelphia is at ten behind over in the Central. Milwaukee is a two-game lead over the Cardinals. Cincinnati's in third at 15 back in the West. The Dodgers have an 11 and a half game lead over the San Diego, and the Giants are at 19 and a half. They're starting to fade a little bit, I think. The Giants now. Uh, I can't recall what the Dodgers aren't the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, I don't know if they played uh, this particular uh, day or not. Uh, they played last night. Oh, I'm sure they did. Uh, yeah, they uh, did I know play they're last playing night. this weekend uh, series. Um, yeah, the Dodgers uh, beat the Giants last night 9-5. to five. They couldn't let Vince Scully down upon his uh, death, so they take down the uh, San Francisco. But the the team that's starting to, to fade a little bit, the Yankees got beat by Seattle last night in New York 8-6. to six. So uh, we'll see how that all shakes out in the next uh, two months, so to speak. Uh, 
anywhere. You, uh, you got to give kudos to San Diego yesterday. I was watching uh, the the first game. They had fallen down uh, three nothing early, and you're thinking, yeah, because half their team has been <laughs> traded. Funny. You know, their their starting lineup, Hosmer, uh, eventually to the Red Sox. He passed. He had uh, no trade clause, and he didn't want to go to Washington. But they found a way to get him to to Boston, and they lost Luke Voigt in that trade. Once again, the odd man out. Last year, he was the odd man out when Rizzo got traded to That's the Yankees. Right. This year, he's the odd man out with uh, Josh Bell coming. Uh, but anyway, that being said, um, you know they went on to win that first game like thirteen to five after being down three nothing early, then held on for a three to two win last night. Uh, so a great start to the new uh, era, if you will, for the San Diego Padres. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, the Cubbies keep their two players. It, uh, you felt that both of them were going to maybe head out. I mean, it, it was funny because uh, all day I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see. <laughs> What's going to happen? I, I thought for sure Contreras. Uh, you can you can make an argument that Ian Happ, uh, who's having a career year, but is that something you can count on the rest of the season? I, I'd certainly like to see it out of Ian Happ a little bit more consistently year after year. Heck, he was uh, benched a couple of years ago. But I what, what um, and in fact, just last year, uh, about this time last year, he was benched. Uh, he was hitting under two hundred, I think, but. Then the Cubs released their lineup for last night's game against St. Louis, and the Cubs obviously uh, looked pretty flat last. In fact, both teams looked flat early on. It was, I don't know if you had a chance to watch I it, did. but uh, first few innings were like, uh, is anybody awake yeah. uh, in, in St. Louis today? And then uh, the, the Cardinals broke it open. But then I see the lineups, and Contreras and Happ are both in the starting lineup, and I'm thinking they don't release that lineup if they don't think that they're That's not right. trading them. Obviously, they weren't getting what they were hoping to get. They were certainly open to sending them. I, quite frankly, I'd like to think they had a conversation and said, Contreras, especially Contreras, you, um, do you want to stay here? Yeah. you think we can work a deal going forward? And I'd like to think he said yes, and uh, I'd like to think that's why the Cubs didn't trade him. Or maybe the market wasn't there. Anyway, uh, you know, last year this time, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, oh, yeah. and Anthony Rizzo all uh, took a trip. Oh, boy, did that hurt. And, I mean, that just uh, the guts of the Cubs lineup right there in that regard. So Three uh, of your eight starters. That's right. You know, and they, they were thinking that, uh, that Contreras and Happ had the next to go, but uh, that didn't happen. So uh, And Jock Peterson, too. Uh, he had been traded a few days before the trade deadline to Atlanta. And that certainly worked out well for Jock. But the uh, – and Peterson uh, kind of came on a little bit late, but there wasn't as much of the emotional attachment to a guy like Peterson because that was his first year with the Cubs, although he was starting to come on. And again right. – uh, but, but, but that was four of your eight basic starters That's right. that you got that team. It, it can hurt. Uh, but as I've been saying, yeah, you can do the rebuild – but at some point, you need a foundation to build upon, and that's why I'm hoping they kept Contreras. Yeah. Anyway, the Cardinals kind of surprised me a little bit. They sent Harrison Bader off uh, I, to I tell the you Yankees. What, I, and I was with a couple of Yankee fans last night watching uh, the Yankees, and I said, you're going to love Bader. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know as agree. a Cub fan, he was irritating. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. You know, he, but but uh, the Yankee uh, faithful are going to love this kid and his attitude. Hopefully he gets off the IL soon. Yeah, and uh, I think he uh, I, I, They mentioned last night on the broadcast he was already headed to New York uh, yeah. yesterday sometime. So uh, New Yorker will receive a player to be named later or cash considerations as part of the deal, which was struck just before the deadline. Of course, Montgomery has been the top performer for the Yankees, posting a 3.77 ERA in 272 innings across 51 starts the past Two seasons, however, he was 0-2 with a 536 ERA in his last eight innings. So, uh, anyway, Montgomery I, I'm, says I'm, he I'm was pretty sure shocked. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still kind of scratching my head over it. Uh, the Yankees fairly deep in the outfield, especially after acquiring That's right. Benedetti. That's right. That's right. And I mean, they, they traded Gallo. He mm-hmm. was not happy. I right. I, oh, did I see a great uh, headline? I'm not sure if I tagged that. And Joey story. Gallo, you know, played for Kansas City for a few years. Yeah, he was traded to the Dodgers. Uh, but earlier uh, in the day, yesterday, he said, "Joey uh, says Yankee fans make me feel 
like a piece of expletive deleted, honestly, unquote. So he was not happy in New York, so he's happy to be out of there. Yeah, Bader, uh, he's one of the elite center fielder defense. I mean, he can run like a deer, and uh, he'll... uh, uh, the Yankees are going to enjoy him. Uh, a Florida grad uh, played uh, for f- the Florida Gators. Uh, I think he, I, I, I don't know why it comes to I mentioned this. Maybe yesterday we spoke about him momentarily. That uh, he uh, he just eats one of those guys that just fiery and takes the extra base and just gives you trouble in the base pass. Reminds me of one of the old Gas House gang yeah. members. You know, just a cardinal history. He's fearless in the outfield. Will yeah. dive for anything. A good arm. Yeah, so that's uh, right. Uh, he likes high fastballs, so uh, strikes out a couple times on those high fastballs. Anyway, uh, they get Montgomery, who's going to be joining the rotation with Wainwright and Mikolas, and that's where the Cardinals really needed help a lot. As uh, Stephen Wainwright Mass looked good out. last yeah, night, he did. Huh? Yeah. He, you know, Uncle Charlie, as long as Uncle Charlie's working for him, that's his curveball, and he's probably got one of the best curveballs in the history of uh, Major League. So uh, we'll see how that all comes to fruition. Of course, and. Other news, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if Aaron Judge and Stanton and uh, Carpenter. I mean, Carpenter didn't hit, but I think he hit 160 last year for St. Louis and struck out, I think, every 40% of the time if he didn't put the ball in play. Uh, so uh, we'll see. There was talk that the Yankees might move him for more uh, players. But uh, anyway, uh, in the time of the game, so we'll see. Of course, Carpenter's hitting over 300 and uh, – We'll see how the, all these trades come out down the line. So, uh, uh, Otani, who we thought maybe, uh, uh, you know, you wonder if the Angels uh, dangled him in front of some people uh, last night since uh, the Angels are just having a hard year. They started off pretty well and then just tanked uh, back in June where they went, lost 14 in a row at one time, I think, somewhere in that Yeah, and, and it was um, just uh, 12 games into that streak. They fired Joe Madden. And then they did start to win a few games, they did. but then uh, they went back to being the Angels. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they a uh, lot of issues with that with them. So uh, just looking uh, through my notes real quick, they forty four and fifty nine right, like right now. They're five and five in their last ten. They won last night, uh, but they're twenty two games back. Uh, and if my math is right, they're right over. Uh, uh, right at a hundred. Uh, so they got around a little less than sixty games left to go. In the schedule, so in 22 back, that's that what Vince Scully, the improbable, is now the impossible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in that regard, so don't know if you have any, any other headlines before we go ahead and take our next break this morning. And well, again, uh, talked about, uh, I teased this, uh, UL Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian McGard, has uh, picked up uh, extension, agreed to another year to his contract through June of 2027, to continue serving as the Cajuns AD. Regard quoted as saying, I'm very honored. I'm excited to keep the ship rolling. University announced the extension yesterday, coming off, obviously, one of its most uh, successful athletic years. Cajuns winning Sunbelt championships in football, baseball, and softball. Um, of course, it uh, would have been nice to see a little more success on the hard court, but yes. uh, Magard said, it's always been a key goal for me to compete for championships, and we've done that. Had high hopes when I took the gig, but I think it's fair to say that we've been able to experience more success than I expected in areas like getting the football team into a top 25 program, raising, and here's a key, raising money at record-setting levels. Uh, also takes uh, great pride in his athletes' impact in the community, uh, saying another big thing to me is that our student-athletes have led the conference in community service two years in a row. says that's a big deal to me. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of one of the UL players who talked about staying and not transferring, given the opportunity, and that uh, he just loved the community that yeah. much. Yeah, I it meant that right. much to him. I can't, I can't recall who it was and uh, had an opportunity to move on but decided to stay. And uh, more power to the uh, Cajun uh, uh, staff there, keeping him in that regard. So uh, we'll see how that's going to play out in the meantime. So uh, good for Dr. Maggard as he now uh, – is uh, in the UL fold to 2027. There you go. We'll go ahead and take that break. Though. Yeah, so go, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be back with Today in Sports History, August 3rd, uh, here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240, right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. 
Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports uh, here and today in sports history of August 3rd. And, uh, boy, you know, intercollegiate athletics uh, started way back when. And on this date in 1852, the America's first intercollegiate sporting events took place. And what do you think it was? Uh, between Harvard and Yale, rowing as the uh, Harvard crew beat Yale by two lengths over two miles in, uh, up in New Hampshire. In the meantime, in 1908, umpire Tim Hurst is, instigates a riot by spitting in the face of the A second baseman. That's Eddie Collins, who was a Hall of Famer, who had questioned a call of his. And two weeks later, Hurst was banned for life from Major League Baseball, mm. the umpire. You don't see that today. No. Anyway, of course, I hadn't seen Usually an umpire spit on a player around. either. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, in 1914, Yankees catcher Les uh, Nunemaker throws out three straight Tiger runners at second base and during the first inning. The only time that happened in the 20th century. Imagine that three base. They get on base, walk, base hit, arrow, whatever the case may be, and throws out three consecutive runners. Mm. You'd think they'd uh, stop running against him after yeah. the first two. Anyway, meanwhile, 1923. Literally uh, running yourself out of an inning. You hear that term a lot. Uh, you do. That you do. You don't want to make the first out at third base or, or, or the third out at third base. Anyway, baseball games canceled today. Uh, the death of U.S. President Warren G. Harding back in 1923. And in 1930, for the second time in a year, the Phillies outfielder Chuck Klein, another Hall of Famer, hit safely in 26 straight games. In other words, he had two 26-hitting streak games back-to-back. And if you put in the game, he didn't get the hit. Uh, he'd been at uh, 55, one behind, the, or he would have been before uh, the legendary Joe DiMaggio who did it in 1941. Elsewhere, uh, 1936, uh, American sprinter Jesse Owens wins the 100 meters in 10-3 in front of Adolf Hitler in the famous race at the Berlin Olympics. Of course, that was the first of his four gold medals at the Games, and just previously, the year before, at a track meet it. At Michigan, when he was running for Ohio State, he set three world marks in a matter of 45 minutes in the 100, the broad jump, and also the 220. Elsewhere in 1941, Joe DiMaggio goes 0 for 4 in a 62 loss to uh, the Browns, ending his on-base streak at 74 games. It's the second longest in Major League history. Ted Williams holds that streak at 84 games in a row. He he got on first base. In 1948, uh, Negro League veteran pitcher Satchel Paige at 42. Of course, there's some dispute how old Satchel was. He might have been a little older than that. Makes his uh, debut against Cleveland or for Cleveland after a controversial signing course. Bill Beck signed him. He goes seven innings in a 5-3 to three win against Washington. In 1949, the Basketball Association of America and the National Basketball League merged to form the NBA. 
NBA, that's right, the NBA formed today in 1949. 1956, American sprinter Willie Williams sets the 100-meter world record at, the Ber- at Berlin in Germany at 10-1. That wasn't an Olympics. That was just a meet at 10-1 in the 100 meters. Of course, the current record held by Usain Bolt at 9.58. He set that in 2009. In 1959, the 27th All-Star Baseball game, the AL wins 5-3 to at Memorial Stadium in uh, Los Angeles, and they beat the National League 5-2 to in the second game that day. They played in a doubleheader, and it was to boost the player pension fund. Of course, Major League Baseball went on to play two ga- All-Star games each year up until 62, so 59, 60, 61, and 62. And, uh, of course, in 66-67, Marvin Miller came along with the Union, and uh, they're pretty well set off today. Anyway, in 1970, the second-ever NFL network stoppage ends with the NFL and Players Association agreeing to a four-year $19.1 million deal. Man, that's pocket change today, Jeff. Anyway, in 1984, Mary Lou Retton scores a 10 for her final vault to win the individual all-around competition in Los Angeles at an Olympics and become the first American uh, to uh, a woman to win an Olympic gymnastics medal. Wow. 2006, Barry Bonds hits his 715th home run uh, today. Uh, Major League home run ball to pass Babe Ruth for a second time. Fetches 220000 for that ball. Of course, uh, Bonds goes on to top Hank Aaron a couple years later when he hits uh, number 757 to beat Hank Aaron, or 756, I should yeah. say, yeah. to beat Hank Aaron. Birthdays today, uh, 1940, born on this date, Lance Allworth, Bambi, the American League uh, football player, Hall of Famer, a Charger, Cowboys, born in Houston, Texas. Got the name Bambi because he could run. He ran a 9600 in high school. S- I'm trying to remember, did he have some connection to Grand Isle? Boy, you got me now. Born in Houston, but for some reason I, I'm thinking there was some connection there. You know, he just he played with those Dolphins, you know, or the Cowboys. Caught a, I think he caught a pass in the Super Bowl in New Orleans along with Mike Ditka that afternoon. But Bambi, uh, and what was the name of the controversial Dwayne uh, Dwayne Thomas, who was a controversial running back for the Cowboys that afternoon in O2 Lane Stadium. And uh, terrific, uh, not Tom Seaver, but Tom Brady, born on this day in 1977. NFL quarterback, seven-time Super Bowl champion uh, with the Patriots and Buccaneers. NFL MVP in 07, 10, 17, and 14-time Pro Bowler. Born in San Mateo, California uh, on this date. So, Tom, terrific. Uh, Happy birthday to him. Uh, Makes Tom, uh, what, 45 years old? Wow. And the quote of the day, I love my yogiisms. I just got to have one today. And if you don't know where you're going, you could wind up someplace else. <laughs> so Yogi and his Yogiism, I mean, that's a book out somewhere where you can pick up a Yogiism uh, in that regard. I think he, I think it's a 150-page book with Yogiisms in there. So uh, the great Yogi Berra, the best bad ball hitting uh, hitter in the history of baseball. Anyway, Jeff, uh, that does it with uh, today in sports history for August 3rd here, hump day, uh, Wednesday. Don't know if you have any other late-breaking news or headlines. I, I wouldn't say late-breaking news. Just a couple of things. Uh, Magic Johnson. Uh, we talked, obviously, about Bill Russell Monday after his passing the day before. Magic Johnson suggesting uh, the number six should be retired, similarly to Jackie Robinson's number 42. The funny thing is, right now, the Lakers' LeBron James is wearing number six. But uh, is that a credible idea? Did they forge the same path? Uh, Certainly some similar paths, but I'm not sure about the same path. And, you know, they've talked about retiring Roberto Clemente's 21 across the league. And, uh, again, great man, great great humanitarian. But again, I, I'm not sure that just, especially a number like 21. I yeah, mean, I, I'm trying to recall who might have been the first uh, African American to enter the NBA. Of course, the NBA today history, uh, where the two leagues formed the NBA, and I, I can't recall who might have been one of the first uh, African American players in the NBA. Probably back in around Jackie uh, Robinson's time, but Robinson set a precedent, just uh, unbelievable, and what a terrific person too. I met him one time. Just a terrific person before he died. And, and, and certainly uh, Bill Wright, Bill uh, Russell was a uh, civil rights leader, and he did call out the NBA for not having enough. Uh, he, he called him out for suggesting it wasn't written that there were quotas on African Americans uh, on each team. But he 
called him out for it. That's and, right. And, and he, I mean, he did a bunch of amazing things. It's such a huge honor. It's one thing to be, I mean, it's a huge honor to have your number retired by your own team. That's right. But to do it league-wide is asking a lot. Yeah, Boston, I think, is going to run out of numbers, too. Yeah. Uh, they'll have... Uh, Especially in basketball, where you try and keep it down to your five digits. That's uh, right, for the, for the referee to signal to the bench who's a foul on, yeah. you know. I, I think in the NBA, though, they've disregarded that concern. Of, oh, yes. Uh, Dave Collins, what, what, 18, I think, uh... Koozie, I think, wore 10 or 12. Uh, but they, those strange number. Havlicek wore 17. Uh, so uh, just uh, who wears seven? One of the players today wears seven. It's been worn by many Celtics. But, yeah, the NBA, if that happens with Russell, I, I think it would be a great honor. Would it? I'm not so sure. But uh, what more can you say about Bill Russell who passed away earlier this week? And then, of course, Vin Scully uh, late last night uh, passing away. Uh, at the age of 94, a tremendous uh, baseball announcer. And uh, the White Sox, Tony La Russa, given grief. Uh, Tuesday night, the White Sox lost to the Royals. I say Tuesday night, Monday night. Last night was Tuesday night. All right. Monday night, uh, White Sox lose uh, to the Royals 2-1. to one. Tony La Russa falling asleep in the dugout early in the game, too. <laughs> And well, he can join Ted Turner and Jane Fonda, you know, in the in the Braves uh, in Bra- Atlanta Stadium, uh, Fulton County Stadium, when they used to fall asleep in the seventh inning. Uh, but he wasn't necessarily working. No, he wasn't. You know? But he was he was watching his team, so to speak, there back in the day. Anyway, uh, that should do it, uh, Jeff. Unless you have anything no, else for no. us. Uh, tomorrow, I saw a story about suggesting bowl games uh, to kick off the season. And then the playoffs to end the season. Right. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about okay. that. NFL preseason begins tomorrow. Again, probably a bit of a yawner, but talk a little bit about that. And uh, again, we're getting ready to announce our football broadcast schedule. In fact, I'd like to wrap that up today. Uh, but again, I know you've got some business to attend to. But big thanks to our sponsors, uh, Bayou Sports, brought to us by. The Hennigan Payne Center on Jefferson Terrace, Schwing Insurance down the road, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, the Quarter Tavern. Remember, if you're looking for a place to watch sports, 18 TVs, uh, all uh, the baseball games you can imagine, including the Astros and L.A. Classic Roofing. Tony, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, look forward to it. Once again, stay with us. Lee Kane, the Breakfast Club, after news from the Louisiana Radio Network.